there. Welcome to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, where we explore mysteries, hauntings, and family secrets from the great state of Oklahoma and beyond. I'm Shy. And I'm Shanna. We're wannabe mystery solvers and cousins that love to hash out our favorite whodunits during family time. Our husbands are afraid of us, as As they they should be. be. Let's do it. Let's do this. And we're recording. Let's do it. Let's talk true crime. Shall we? Let's do it. Okay. I love that you're able to like keep your ADHD in check by embroidering while I'm telling you a story. (laughs) Well, it also keeps my eating in check because if I have something to do with my hands, I'm not eating. Well... There's that. Which I now realize why my mom was such an avid uh, seamstress, sewer, seamstress, 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 whatever, Mm -hmm. to keep her from smoking 12 packs of cigarettes a day. Well, there you go. Back in the olden days. Yeah. So. I could see. And then she took up quilting after she quit smoking and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I get it. Got to keep those hands busy. Fucking get it, bro. Just saying. Go get a mama. Do we have any podcast news? Um, we potentially are doing a Thanksgiving episode. Yes. From the mountains of Colorado. Of Colorado. Should be fun. It's not going to sound as crystal clear as this. No, it'll be it'll recorded be- on a little hand recording, but yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fun. Maybe we can do it from a coffee shop in Breckenridge. That would be awesome. That would be really cool. That week's episode will drop on Thanksgiving Day and you can listen to it if you just need a little uh, break from your family. Yeah. (laughs) Need to put in the headphones and just, you know, put on that noise canceling option and yep. And vibe with some true crime. Turn us on. (laughs) Turn us on. I follow this chick on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have to say this. Yes. I follow this chick on TikTok who is traveling around the country in her van, and I think she's by herself. Oh. In like a converted Sprinter van, um, living that life. Mm -hmm. And she did this TikTok the other day that was like, creepiest places that I've stayed in the U.S. so far. Oh, no. And one was like an Airbnb location with a crazy, creepy owner. And number two was Pitcher, Oklahoma. And so I commented on it and I was like, why the fuck were you in Pitcher, girl? It's toxic. Uh-huh, literally. And she was like, oh, just passing through on my travels, you know, but it was super creepy and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, me and my cousin did a podcast about it. <laughs> and here's the link. So... Uh, shout out to that girl. I don't even know what her name is because her name isn't her name on TikTok. It's okay. just like traveling mm-hmm. life or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um. So yeah, if you're that van chick, uh, shout out to you. Yeah, and welcome. <laughs> Hopefully, we can you know be a part of your travels with you. You're just starting up, you know, start up the you're doing fine Oklahoma podcast as you drive. Yeah. And if you want to come back to Oklahoma and um stay places that aren't toxic we would love to give you some great recommendations yes because there are a few on where you probably won't get murdered yeah 
and where it has great scenery. Yes, and it's literally not a toxic toxic wasteland. Yes. Yes. So, there's that. Yeah. So, anyway. Nice. I love that. That's all I have. Okay. Well, I don't have anything. (laughs) I don't think I have anything. Okay. I think we're just... We're just here. We're going to try to actively make it through the holidays. Mm -hmm. I realized the other day that it's been like right out a year since we launched the pod. Oh, my gosh. So we're on our year anniversaries. Give or take. I mean, it's probably take, you know, whatever. Um, But yeah, a year and 25,000 downloads later, here we are. I love that. Shit. It's awesome. Welcome, y'all. Yes. Thank you. We're going to do stuff. We promise. We swear that. We're going to do stuff. We promise we're going to do stuff, but we are um, a <laughs> reminder. We are uh, full-time working moms. Yeah, we are full-time working moms. And um, moms of children in sports. So. God help us all. Go sports balls. <laughs> Go well. Go swim balls. Go swim balls. <laughs> I do have to say, I... If you want your child, which no shade to any other sport, please, this is not that. But if you want your child to just blow your mind at how they can um, compete in a sport where literally they have to hold their breath for half of it, put them in swim because it's a team sport, but yet they're competing with their self and their times. right. And they're just, it's just amazing to watch kids swim and how fast these kids can be. I love watching your daughter swim. It is like my favorite pastime. It just gives them this confidence that I just don't see anywhere else, which granted, I have not ever been around much sports myself. So I don't know. You should see these little 10 year old girls after a a second place in a championship at a softball tournament where they've ground through eight games in two days. Nice. You should see these little girls. They think they're bad gangster bitches. Oh, yeah, they do. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying, put your kids in something that gives them some type of physical activity. That's my thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Put put your kids in something that they enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And gives them some sort of satisfaction right in a hard work well done yes hard work well well culminated yeah i guess you could say yeah yep just saying i wasn't ever really a sports person until i had kids and now dance and swim and they're uh, just amazing anywho (laughs) Thank you for joining the Parenting Corner. The Parenting Corner with Shy and Shanna. <laughs> the Mom's Corner. Yeah. I mean, God help us. I'm just saying. Whatever. Mm. Okay, are we ready to start? I've been I've been being ready. I already got this flower almost all the way embroidered, so You should see what she's embroidering. I've been it's being so ready. cool looking. Maybe you can put that up on the Insta later. I can. I've actually been thinking about doing an embroidery every time we record. <gasps> yes. Because there are some simple, like this one has been a shit show and it's taken 27 fucking years because it's one thread. It's. And it's ridiculous. It's but, amazing. Um, there are some simpler ones that I've been thinking about doing because I think I can do them in like 
the two or three hours that we we record. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then that'll be our weekly our weekly embroidery. I love that. <laughs> I just need to pick it up once I'm done with all my projects that are yeah. physically demanding of me. I know. I can't even whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. But here let's we are. do stuff. Okay. Let's let's talk true crime. Let's do it. Okay. So Cheyenne. Shy. This week, I would like to tell you about the Thrasher family murders. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, no. Are they from Oklahoma? Yep. So, and not only Where that, at? they are from Woodward, Oklahoma. Ooh. That's and, our hood. Yep. And if you guys will remember, we did discuss Woodward in the Woodward Tornado episode. Yep. And just for a little refresher, for those of you not from Oklahoma, <laughs> uh, all two of you. Uh, all two of you listening from other states. <laughs> uh, Woodward is located in northwest Oklahoma. Yep. Just outside the panel, just, just what, east of the panhandle. Yep. And um, the area that this these murders took place was actually in Boiling Springs. <gasps> Boiling Springs. Yes. So Boiling Springs is a state park here in Oklahoma. It's about 820 acres. And it's just northeast of Woodward. Um, and just a little fun fact, it got its name. And I'm getting this from Wiki. Okay. <laughs> it got its name from the Sandy Bottom Springs. Uh-huh. Due to the inrush, this is quoting people, the inrush of subsurface water, the springs appear to boil. Okay. So that's why they're called boiling springs. The water is nowhere near boiling at all. I buy that. I buy that, actually. Yeah. So if you're from Oklahoma, more importantly, northwest Oklahoma. You know where boiling springs is because that's where you went camping. That's That's where you went to church camp. Church camp. I went to church camp there every year. In Boiling Springs, it was I went the funnest. Because I was homesick. Yep, I the first time I went, totally homesick, but made it through the three, four days, whatever, and then went back every year after that until right before, right out of high school. I can't remember, but loved it. It was the funnest. It was just a bunch of kids. It's a really pretty park. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it was just a fun time to get to know other kids and. Let's be honest, it was a Lutheran camp, so there wasn't a whole lot of church done we didn't have to break at noon and go to church okay it was fun it was just fun it was just about kids getting together and being kids so if you're from northwest oklahoma you know exactly what we're talking about where boiling springs is yes and it's still there however now it is it does cost to get into the park um but it's still there (laughs) jk (laughs) still there you can still visit it i highly recommend it it is really pretty and i just Anytime I think of Boiling Springs, I think of those cabins that we stayed in that, Ugh, that they didn't lock and they didn't have windows. Mm-hmm, and it was screens. 99% of my anxiety and um, homesickness came from the fact that those fucking cabins were creepy as shit and there were no bathrooms in them. So if you got up in the middle of the night, had to go to the bathroom, you had to trek yeah. to the public bathrooms. Yes. And I'm a hard no on that. Yes. Still to this day, I'm a hard no on 
leaving the house in the middle of the night. Right. For any purpose. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you 100% (laughs) had to leave your cabin. Usually I took my sister with me if it was in the middle of the night. Like, please come to the bathroom with me. No, no, thank you. Yeah. So, all right. (laughs) Now on to the true crime portion of this podcast. That was church camp trauma. Okay. You know, (laughs) religious trauma. Religious trauma. Here we are. (laughs) Rear your ugly head again. (laughs) Happens to all of us. Okay. (laughs) All right. We're going to go to the morning of Tuesday, September 2nd, 1974. Man, the 70s. 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 Mm -hmm. Gotta love them. We're going to be talking about Mervyn Thrasher. So Mervyn's boss, Bob Petit, had called Mervyn around 4.30 that morning Mm. to have him come into work to help repair an engine at the Michigan-Wisconsin Pipeline Company where he worked. Oh, so he is an oil and gas guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Uh, He did go in and help fix the engine, but returned home afterwards. Okay. He returned back to the house. At 8 o'clock, so just a few hours later, this that same morning, Bob would call him again to come in. However, this time, Mervyn would decline to go in, uh, which it didn't upset Bob at all because it was the Labor Day weekend and none of the employees were expected to work. So, so he was just like, there was nothing weird about it. He was right. just like, nah, not doing it. Not interested in the OT right now. Right. And that's that's how Bob took it. Like, no, there's nothing weird about that because he's not expected to be here. But it's weird that he would go in at 4.30 in the morning and not come back. You know? Right. Like, if you're going to tell somebody to fuck off, you do it at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. That's expected. When, when you're asleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. But again, the 70s. It's mm-hmm. <sighs> weird, but okay. Right. So the next day, though, when Mervyn didn't show up for work... Mm-hmm. or answer calls to his home, mm-hmm. uh, Bob decided to see what, what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it wasn't until 1030 that evening that Bob decided to make a visit to the Thrasher household. Oh, he waited. Okay, so the he next had day. called them on Labor Day. He had called him on Labor Day. Uh-huh. So, And then the day after Labor Day, when people were, were supposed to return to work, he didn't show up for work. He was no call, no show. Correct. At work. Correct. And then his boss waited until 10 p.m. That night. That night mm-hmm. to go check the situation out. Correct. Okay. Yes. Um, And even though, you know, it's bedtime for most people. <laughs> Even the 70s at 1030. Yeah, Bob. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. And the the house was dark. He just, you know, thought something was wrong. So he grabbed his flashlight and went walking around the house, went walking around their home. And he shown the flashlight into the bedroom. Uh-huh. And at this point is when he saw the body of Mervyn on the floor of the master bedroom Uh, yeah so he immediately left and notified the police of what he found Uh so they immediately went out there right and once they arrived they would discover not only the body of mervyn who at the time was 28 but also his wife sandra who was 27 oh god they were so young Uh uh-huh 
their daughter Penelope or Penny, Aww. who which who was age seven, uh-huh. and an eighteen month old son named Robert, all <gasps> deceased. So four of them, mm-hmm. all four. Ooh, mm-hmm. and the babies. Yeah. Oh God. Both Mervyn and Sandra had been bound okay. at the hands and feet. Um, Sandra's hands and feet were tied together behind her back, and she did so sh- uh, so mm-hmm, show signs of rape. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, right. The children they were not tied up, but they had been shot Jesus. multiple times, and most likely. They thought as they slept in their bedroom. But why? Mm-hmm. Why do you need to kill the kids if they're asleep? Right. Like, why? Right. <sighs> During the investigation, while they were checking the, everything out, they did discover a single twenty-two caliber shell casing in the bedroom. And then shoe prints around the outside of the home. So all of them had been shot. All of them. All of them. Did they know were all of them shot by twenty-two caliber? Yes. Twenty-two caliber bullets. Yes. Okay. Yeah. How many times? So Mervin had been shot three. Sandra shot two. Penny shot two, and little Robert shot once. Okay. Or twice, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Multiple, each person was multiple times. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. This is really gross. Yeah. I don't like it. It's like supposed to be the worst murder case in Woodward history, too. I buy that. So, but I remember it, it was very much a story that was told a lot, especially I remember my dad telling me as a kid okay. about it. Um, things had been kind of... You know, blown up about it. Blown up about it. Yeah. But, um, but for the most part, it was it was still pretty graphic. It became like a tale bigger than the actual tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Further investigation would find that this casing uh-huh. matched that of a rifle owned by Mervyn. Okay. That was reported stolen during a break into their home just a week prior to their murders. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the way they were able to figure that out is they matched the casings with casings from the Thrasher's former home in Guyman. So he had so to, there were just casings on the property in Guyman probably, that they he probably went, went up. yeah he probably went target shooting or whatever yeah I mean, you know, I'm sure they did seventies yeah panhandle whatever probably, probably, yeah okay so they're pretty sure it's that same gun that was stolen mm-hmm. a week prior to the shootings yeah and that break in was done during the day when no one was home so but the rifle was one of the main things stolen. I don't like any of this. Yeah. This is gross. Right. That's why when I was reading this, I was like, oh. Well, it wasn't long before 19-year-old Bobby Wayne Collins became a suspect. Okay. Okay. Collins had only lived in Woodward for about a month. Mm. 
He had been released three years prior from prison for attempted rape of an Ardmore woman. Okay. And earlier that year, 1974, had been acquitted of rape of a Lone Grove woman. So this guy was all sorts of... Fucked. Yes. Fucked in the brain. Yeah. Okay. So he's all rapey. How did he make his way to Woodward? That doesn't... I wasn't able to find that. I think family members live there. Okay. He was probably just trying to get away from where he's gotten arrested. bad rap. Oh, shit. I don't know. Hmm. I don't really care. That's fair. That's super fair. (laughs) I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) He's a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. Yeah. So Collins was soon arrested on September 15th. So if you remember, these murders took place on or around September 2nd. Right. On Labor Day weekend, basically. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he was arrested for the break-in of the Thrasher home on September 15th. Okay. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they go ahead. they got him for that. Probably uh-huh. they needed to get him for something, right? They needed something to bring him in for, probably. But right. Okay. When questioned, he admitted to the break in at the Thrasher home, but then proceeded to give this kind of long, convoluted story uh-huh. that he the. The day or the day before the the break-in, he had borrowed a family member's car, which the family mm-hmm. member des- denies this. Okay. And went to Enid to try to find a job. Okay? Was unable to find a job. Mm-hmm. So on the return back to Woodward, had picked up a hitchhiker by the name of Jerry Prowess. Okay. All right. He said that Prowess then asked if he could stay at Collins' home overnight, and Collins Collins was like, yeah, I, I let him stay. Which, what? Sign of the times. He's a dude. Obviously, they have nothing to fear. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. false, yeah. but that's uh, it's whatever. You know, okay. They run in packs. Uh, they they definitely smell their own, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. He then goes on to tell the investigators that once he returned the car, he dropped Prowess off at his home uh-huh. and then returned the car to the cousin, okay, and then went to work at the local truck stop there in Woodward. Okay. And it was the night shift. Uh-huh. Okay. When he returned the next morning, Prowess wasn't there. So, like, thinking nothing of it, he was like, oh, he must be gone. So he went to bed, right? He just worked his night shift. He was going to sleep. But around noon, was awakened by Prowess, wanting to go look at a house. Okay. At that point, I mean, wouldn't you just be like, hey, bro, I'm okay. And it's also time for you to go. You've mm-hmm. outstayed your transient welcome here. Right. One would think. I mean, I'm confused. I know. I'm, investigators were as well. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> they were like super suspicious about it. Oh, yeah. 
They were like, okay, keep telling us about your hitchhiker. <laughs> keep telling us about your hitchhiker, friend. He said that they then walked to the Thrasher home and entered through an unlocked door at the back of the house, mm-hmm. stealing a number of items, including a twenty-two caliber rifle. Okay. Mm-hmm. The rifle, they decided to hide because they didn't want anyone seeing them walk back to Woodward with a rifle. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not the most suspicious thing about this story, but okay. Right. I'm just saying, we got to take into context here the gentleman that's telling this story. Right. He's okay? obviously He's full of shit. Obviously full of shit. He states that that same evening, though, the hitchhiker prowess left and he never saw him again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Totally. They then began to question him about the murders. Yeah. He would give three different stories about the day of the murders. Okay. Okay. Like for where he was at and what he was doing? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. So let's go over those. (laughs) Did any of them include murdering people? Mm -hmm. Just wait. Okay. The first story goes like this. After he left work that morning, the morning of the murders, he wanted to take his newly purchased car, which a week earlier he didn't have a car, but that's not me to judge. No, like, that's neither here nor there. Right. He would try to drive to Canadian, Texas okay. to visit family. All right. However, at some point... He took a wrong turn and would end up near the Kansas-Oklahoma border. Ooh, that's a super wrong turn. Okay. True. But at the same time, the Panhandle area of Oklahoma, there's it's a very short distance between borders. <laughs> yeah, it's a very short distance between Texas and Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. Yes. With just a little bit Oklahoma sandwiched in between. Uh-huh, just a little. And um, <laughs> if you don't know your... Um, directions. directions, if you, if you're not spatially aware, <laughs> then you could easily end up in Kansas. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe. Let's just, let's just, let's just travel back to a time. We're going to take a little side road here, Shannon. We're going to travel back to a time that you, myself and my husband, um, went to look at a piece of land. And at some point, my husband, who was very spatially unaware, <laughs> said, no, we need to we need to head back south. We need to go back to the south. And we're like, bro, we're on the south fence. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking what, about? We're, we're as south as we can possibly go on this property. <laughs> he was heading north. He, God bless him. He is so screwed if he ever gets somewhere that doesn't have GPS access. Really, it really is. So... <laughs> Just say. Oh, bless it. it. It's very easy for some people to get lost. To get lost. However, we're also, this guy's a He's human a liar. garbage. Yeah. yeah. His pants are on fire. Correct. So when he got to the Kansas border, he was like, oh, fuck this shit, man. Like, I'm out. I'm not going to go visit family. I'm just going to go back to Woodward. All right. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. He then decides he wants to do some light shopping at Gibson's 
Was Gibson's around when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hell yeah, it was. Because it was still around. I still remember where Gibson's was. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm like, I remember going there when I was a kid, but it didn't last much longer into my teen years. No. It was over there by uh, Anthony's, right? Mm, In that same shopping center? No, I think it was a little further um, east in town. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong place. Yeah. Probably. It's it's fine. Regardless. Yeah. <laughs> Not Doesn't much matter. has changed in Woodward, but some things have. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so he went in and bought a pair of white sneakers. As you do. As you do. I uh, look, I'm a I just shoe bought a freak. pair of white sneakers last week. I'm just saying. Shoe freak. Yeah. What month goes by that I don't buy a new pair of shoes? As you do. Eek. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, the sneaker tread and the size would later match the shoe prints found at the Thrasher home. Hashtag no shit. Mm-hmm. So why did he volunteer that information that he bought a pair of shoes? Because Bro. he probably knew that they saw his footprints outside the house. Nah. I'll, I'll explain. Oh, okay. We're going to get into that. Okay. 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 Go ahead. Okay. The next stories he would then go on to give were what happened during the burglary and the murders a week later. So okay. he would state that he had nothing to do with the break-in, that Prowess, the hitchhiker, would come back to his house you know, he said he was gone when he came home, right? Yeah. He said that he came back and would have with him like a, a, a case of what was it called? A case of cigarettes. Yeah, a carton of cigarettes. Carton of cigarettes, mm-hmm. a shaver, and a rifle. The important things. So he was just moving in. Just moving in. Basically. Is that what we're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or the, was this all just stuff that was stolen from? This was stuff stolen. The Thrashers. Yeah, this was stuff stolen from the Thrashers. So basically saying he had nothing to do with the break-in. It was all prowess. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next story he would give is about the murders, saying that he was at the house at the time of the murders, but that as soon as he heard gunshots, he left, and that prowess was the ones that killed the family. And then that prowess had threatened to kill him if he told anyone. Okay. Okay. So, just a week later, after being charged with burglary, remember September 15th? Right. He was charged with burglary. A week later, he would be charged with the Thrasher family murders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Mean, obviously. So, I do want to kind of point out the whole shoe imprint, shoe impression thing i really like this i think because my oldest daughter when she did her forensic studies that first year in college Uh they got to do the shoe yeah shoe molds the shoe molds Mm -hmm. and it is the coolest we still have her little shoe molds we might put them on the instas i love them feeling cute we might put it on the installator plasters of the shoes yeah and her little doc martens that she was wearing that day so i mean is it still a legitimate thing to present in a court case? 
Yeah. Okay. Shoe prints? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I know there's so many things now that they are kind of debunking and no longer able to use. But But all shoe prints are going to get you at the end of the day. All shoe prints are going to give you are a tread pattern, which Mm -hmm. could lead to potentially a wear pattern Mm -hmm. that's specific. Um, And a certain size of shoe, Mm -hmm. brand, you know. Yeah. A certain shoe. But at the end of the day, your sh- I I don't necessarily think without other things that a shoe print is going to like yeah. be the nail in the coffin. Right. If that shoe print is in blood inside the house, which would denote that someone was there at the time or just after a murder, then mm-hmm. potentially but they're also going to do other things right. to put that person at the scene. Right. But you also have to, you know, you also have to verify that that person owns that shoe with mm-hmm. that tread pattern. Mm-hmm. And if they're smart, they get rid of their shoes, right? Right. So. I don't think that this guy was. Uh, I, I think mean, he's like already incriminating himself by saying, yeah, I bought a pair of shoes Huh. That same day. I believe that. Yeah. I actually believe that this guy was not smart. Yeah. (laughs) I believe it. At one point during the interviews, he kind of gives it away. Okay. So he is quoted by one of the OSBI investigators as saying, I see them in my sleep at night. Mm -hmm. My God, that little girl was still asleep. Mind you, he had just given information that he was not even in the house, that it was prowess in there. Right. Doing the killing. So how would he know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He then goes on to say, the kids, I can't get them out of my mind. That little boy just looked at the gun. (gasps) What the f- And that's all I will say about- how the children were shot. Fuck, bro. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. I fucking hate people. I know. I did read in a Woodward newspaper article that um, the gun, they never did find the gun. They never did find the rifle. Yeah. Okay. But one of the newspaper articles from Woodward was that it was found years later in a pond, but I couldn't find anything else on that. Okay. There are no court documents available the only thing that i was able to really use for this was a couple of newspaper articles and then his appeals information on justia so i don't know if it was actually found he didn't lead them to it someone probably just stumbled across it maybe right okay yeah interesting Mm -hmm. okay so this is where we're going to talk about the shoe so at the trial, his defense attorney, Stephen Jones, and fun fact, yeah, he... Stephen Jones would represent Timothy McVeigh 20 years later for he's, the Oklahoma City bombing. He's represented a lot of high-profile um, murder suspects mm-hmm. in Oklahoma mm-hmm. over the years. Yep. A lot. Yes. Of high-profile. Well, people. he would submit into evidence a receipt... Of Collins from Gibson's store, mm-hmm. showing that there was no way Collins was the murderer. He bought his sneakers after the apparent time of the murders. 
not before. However, what the prosecution was able to come come back with was the receipt only gave amounts. There was no detail description on what was actually purchased. Right. Only something this uh, around the same price. Yeah, so he could have bought literally anything after the murders. Mm-hmm. That was 20 bucks or whatever. Right. Because Gibson's had everything. Yeah, they were. They had a, a little bit of everything. They were like a five and dime. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it was a fun place to go. Yeah, they had everything. Yeah. Um, And uh, although both parties knew that this case was a very circumstantial case, like they had no like hard proof that no. Collins was, you know, the ones that did the murders or not. Um, he was found guilty mm-hmm. of all four murders and sentenced to death by electric chair. Okay. Okay. So during the same time, right, is when they, the Supreme Court deemed death penalty unconstitutional. Right. Especially right? the electric chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his case, mm-hmm. his sentence was, um, what's the word? Commuted. Commuted. I have it right there in front of me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Commuted to life with possible parole. What? He was up for parole. I don't know. Was I don't. that an administrative error? I don't know. But he was up for parole a few times. Was this was this commutation done as the result of an appeal or was it done as a result of the Supreme Court? I read it was a result of the Supreme Court. That's random. Which I thought they would just leave him at life, no parole. If you're death yeah. penalty, like, you're not going to get out. But, again, there was not a lot of coverage on this. Not a lot of information I could find. Do you think it's because it was out of Woodward County? Oh, and I'm sure. not Oklahoma City? I'm sure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm so intrigued by this, by mm-hmm. this commutation. Yeah. And... He did try to appeal, uh-huh. right, a few times, obviously. And everything – so basically his appeal was basic – was basically, basically. It was basically. That, it was basically that. <laughs> <laughs> he was found guilty on circumstantial – evidence right and he was like you guys have no hard proof that i'm the one that did it right yeah however i love justia because they put in like the court's response yeah and i want to do i want to quote like what the courts had said um which i well it should be all on the appeals record isn't it yeah yeah, on the appeals record so it's it's just something to keep in mind that there are cases that that you are able to convict with circumstantial evidence. Uh-huh. Um, they're harder, first of all, right? Because you want somebody holding it, holding the gun. Sure, right? That's open and shut. Yeah. But the way they put this, the way the courts courts put this, um, it, I really liked it. Anyway, so I'm going to read what the court's response was. <clears throat> While much of the evidence is circumstantial, this court has often held a criminal as may be per, uh, held 
a criminal, as may be proved circumstantially, and reasonable inference drawn therefrom have the same provative effect as direct testimony. Yeah. Yes. That's why it's left to a jury Mm -hmm. that they would make a decision beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. It goes on to say, additionally, circumstantial evidence need not exclude every hypothesis Mm -hmm. or negate any possibility other than guilt. Mm -hmm. And finally, it is the exclusive province of the jury to weigh the evidence and determine the facts. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Do your civic duty, people. Yeah. Go to oh, jury duty. I, do you remember that year I got a jury duty summons like three times in mm-hmm. one year? Yes. And I went every time. Yeah. And I never get called. The I only do. time I've ever been like put into a potential jury pool, the moment that I tell them that I have a forensic degree and a criminal justice degree, they're like, excuse. Bye. <laughs> um, but like... I got called three times in one year, and finally I um, took my summons up to the clerk at the start of the day, and I was like, this is my third time being called this year. Like, I love it. Like, I'm here for it. I love it. Keep calling me if you need to, but also it feels like you could call other people <laughs> in Oklahoma <laughs> County. Um because this is a county of a large amount of people that you could call for jury duty. And he was like, you should have told us the second time you got <laughs> called. You should have just called us and said, I've already served this year. Bye. And oh. I was like, oh. oh. But I love it. I no, love I getting a jury summons. I do too. And I actually got to be on a jury yeah. on a federal case yeah. for embezzlement. And it was pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool to watch and be a part of and even though i told him that my father was law enforcement they They don't care they don't they were like is that going to sway your ability to make a decision and i was like no (laughs) a friend of mine got called for a murder trial Mm -hmm. and she is very um like at meetings at work she takes notes she takes the notes oh wow um and she has a spreadsheet for everything. Like, we compare travel spreadsheets and stuff like that. Uh, so she filled up, like, an entire notebook during this murder trial. And they made her turn over her notebook at the end of the trial. Oh, shit. And she was like... She's like, Motherfucker. That sucks. Yeah. Because she's taking notes the whole time. About it. And it all came down to, like, triangulation off of a cell phone tower. Oh, damn. Yeah. It was really interesting. When she was telling me about it after the fact, I was like, girl, you hit the fucking jackpot on a jury trial. That would have been awesome. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. So, anyway, go ahead. Um, No, so he has not ever been paroled. Uh Uh-huh. He's still setting in prison? As of 20, I think in 2015, he was up for another parole hearing. So, but he was 19 years old when this happened. Oh, he was only 19. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But he had already been up on multiple rape charges and shit like that. And I'm sure the fact that the wife was raped Mm -hmm. doesn't help. Right. Um. I'm just wondering, because like I said, there wasn't a lot of how they came about arresting him 
for even the burglary, right? Yeah. Um, I want to think that I they had fingerprints, maybe they had maybe eyewitness accounts. I don't know. Um this is just me making shit up. This is all it could have been it could have come down to like a family member being like, um well, this guy randomly had a twenty two yeah. rifle yeah. that he didn't have before. Yeah. And maybe you look into this guy. Right. You know? Yeah. Because he's a little off. A little suspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's acting weird. Yeah. Yeah. So. Huh. But, I mean, if you guys have any information, like, more about this. About the Thrasher case. About the Thrasher case. If you case, were alive in northwest Oklahoma in the, in the early 70s. I mean. Or your mom was. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Ours Probably were. your mom. Yeah, my mom was. I've never, she's never said anything about it. Yeah. I remember my dad telling me about this story and I always thought it was like a, um, just a scary story, Uh huh. but oh no, it, it's a real, it's a real thing. And they basically got him on his, on his shoe and impressions. So, but yeah, shit. Yeah. So, but I think the stories that were told, because I'd heard it from other people, too, is that he was just from a mental asylum and, like, oh. you know, that kind of thing. But it was basically mm. just this kid that was just a piece of shit. And, and nerdy, well, rapist. Yeah, a rapist that was just a opportunist and trash had been in their house a week prior and thought, I'm going to go back. And anyways. Hmm. So. Wow. So, yeah, that was that is my story of the Thrasher family murders. Good Woodward. job, Shy. That was Thanks, really Shai. sad. It was. It's very sad um, to think they were so young and their their kids were so yeah. young. And, um, for nothing, really. Like, th- he never did. He never did give a reason as to why he did it. Well, of course, he was still saying that he didn't do it, right? Right. <sighs> yeah. Trash. Yeah. Absolute so. trash. But yeah, I think they even had people, they were even calling out to the people in Woodward that were around at the time um, on the most recent um, parole hearing to write the board and be like, mm, no, don't let him out. <laughs> like, you guys, can you write to them, make sure he doesn't get out? Yeah. Yeah, because he would be, he's right at, right around 70 now. Yeah. Still Give capable. Still very yeah, capable. Still of, capable of doing damage. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So. Ugh. Well, it's a very interesting story for our little neck of the hood. Fucking horrifying. Yeah. But good job, Shy. Thanks, Shan. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this episode or you're just really optimistic that we'll only get better from here, like, subscribe, follow You're Doing Fine Oklahoma on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at You're Doing Fine OK Pod. That's you are underscore doing underscore fine underscore okay underscore pod.